Bible there. We're going to be hitting several other sections as well. Amen. I tell you, it's crazy. We went down to, uh, we started off in Olathe, Kansas, uh, to preach for Faith Baptist Church there, Brother Wes Stewart. And uh, the temperature was warmer than here, but it was freezing. It's like, man, I want to go back to Idaho. This is crazy. It's almost 30 degrees down there, and I, I can't get warm. The man alive, 18 up here, and I'm doing great. So I was happy to get back, but, uh, but we did enjoy. We got to see Autumn, uh, got to see the baby bump, and uh, got to uh, hear the doctor. doctor said everything's looking good, no, no issues to report, so that's a blessing. And, of course, uh, Cody and I got to watch the big game, which if you don't know for us, that's Michigan versus Ohio State every year. We can lose every other game in the season, but not that one. So, and we got to watch them stomp Ohio State. Sorry if you're an Ohio State fan. It was great. It was awesome. And uh, had some fun. Amen. And uh, it's lovely. Right before, it's great to have your doctor say, we need you to go on a diet. And I'm like, yeah, not this week. Yeah, so, but I was very active. The kids even hauled me out to play Ghost in the Graveyard. Um, and my, my, uh, my, my in-laws have a good bit of property. So, that was kind of fun. And uh, amen. So I've been pretty active, so that's been a blessing. All right. Everybody here? Everybody plugged in? So I don't plan on keeping you long. That's the plan, okay? Uh, But we want to look at it. So if you remember, we're in, we are in the purpose of the church, the purpose of the church. And first we looked at what it's not, okay? Remember we looked at we're not here to save the whole world. Okay, our job is to be a witness, and we're not looking at, we're not trying to bring in the utopia, the millennial. Okay, we're not here to serve the world. Okay, we're not here to, while its social goals are noble, and while we can be involved in that, that's not a church's purpose. Social goals are not the church's, we're not here to feed the hungry, we're not here to fight pollution, we're not here to save the whales. Okay, a church has one purpose. And that purpose is to preach the gospel, and we'll, of course we'll talk about that. And we're not here to subjugate the world. Uh, we look, talked about the Crusades, and uh, almost every Muslim country has been become Muslim by the sword. Not by preaching, but by the sword. And that's not what the, what the Bible teaches, what the, what the, how we as Christians are to expand the kingdom is not by the sword, the physical sword, but with the sword of the word of God. So... Um, we're not here to simulate the world. We don't become a drunk to save the drunks, that whole deal. And we are to separate from the world. Not monastic. We're not supposed to become hermits, you know, and just hope everyone comes to us at the top of the mountain. And sometimes I think that's what churches think that church is. We just bring them all in here, and if they come, great, and if they don't, that's their problem. We're supposed to actually be in the world, preaching the gospel to the world, but not be become the world in the process. So... And then we started looking at what the purpose of a church is. And of course, to glorify God. To glorify God was our, one of our primary thoughts uh, the last time we did this. We did talk a little bit about to love God. And I do think that to love God is, in many ways is to glorify God. Um, if we could think about like Revelation 2, the, when the Lord speaks to the, the church as Laodicea and says they've left their first love. Like, is that Laodicea? I think that was Laodicea. It might have been another church there, but they left their first love. But to glorify God through praise and, praise and prayer, fruit-bearing, giving, preaching and ministry, love, 
confessing Jesus Christ, strong faith, suffering, and witnessing, which I didn't talk about confessing Jesus Christ and strong faith because uh, I didn't really agree with the passages he used, and so I just skipped those. But anyways, strong faith. Yeah, that'd be a good thing. But anyways, so now, how, we, how can a church, what is the purpose, one of the things that, that a New Testament church is or su- is supposed to do, and we are supposed to, tonight we'll look at, to display God's grace. So just leave a marker or something in Matthew 28, because we're going to be here uh, a good bit on the next few, and turn over to Ephesians in chapter 2. Ephesians and chapter 2, very thankful for Brother Stonehouse and uh, Brother Chad Adams uh, coming and filling in, and I know, they're, I know they're, are, they are a blessing, and uh, praise the Lord for that. I caught a little bit of Brother Adams uh, talking about being a junior Junior high teacher, and he's okay with awkward, so if you wanted to make it awkward, he could be awkward all day. That was kind of funny. I enjoyed that. All right, to display God's grace. So while you're here in Ephesians 2, we'll we'll take a quick look at chapter 2, verse 7, then we're going to turn over to chapter 3. So chapter 2, in verse 7, okay, as a matter of fact, let's go back to verse 6 so we make sure we've got a little bit of context. And hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. So again, you see that, that the, the grace of God, the riches of God's grace would be shown through us. Okay, And that's a, that is a great thought. Turn over to chapter 3, chapter 3, and look down at verse 10. Chapter 3 and verse 10, that we should start at least in verse 8. So, unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Now that's amazing. I, I mean, if, if you understand the, the idea of there, the principalities and powers in heavenly places, it's not talking about just amongst, amongst the, the communities and to the mayor and to the president where we are. That's saying that angels, both, both of good and of evil, can see the grace of God as it is lived out through believers in a church context. I'm telling you, that is an amazing thing, that it would be that, that angels would look down and see the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God in His grace to mankind, and would be astounded by that. You understand that we are a testimony not just to the people that we are living around, but to but to angels of God and the angels of, of hell. They see God's grace in us. I mean, that's an astounding thing. And we are called to be, um, to display that grace as it should be. Amen. And if you're wondering, that's verse 6, talks about fellow heirs, partakers of the promise in Christ by the gospel. I mean, it's just good, good, wonderful stuff. So turn to First Peter, First Peter in chapter 2. I tell you, for a believer to forget that there is a spiritual battle going on 
is to miss uh, not, not the most important parts per se, but it's to miss some of the truth. Again, that's why the Bible has to teach us that flesh and blood is not the enemy. Flesh and blood is not the enemy. And we have to, we have to remember that many of this, there is an unseen fight going on, and what's required of believers, whether or not they feel like they're winning the fight, is to display God's grace, not just to those around us, but to the angels in heaven and to the angels of hell. Amen. His grace calls us. So 1 Peter chapter 2, go down to, whoops, I'm one page too far. 1 Peter chapter 2, go down to verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. His grace is what called us. His grace is what moves us. His grace is what even gives us the opportunity to breathe God's air. So you understand there that as a church, as a, as a group of believers, we are called to show forth the praises of Him. Now this is a great time of year to, to start getting this in practice. I'm, my wife has a thing, in, uh, I think she does it in November, every November, where every day uh, she chooses something to be thankful for and does it on social media. So I'm thankful for these, I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for this. And those are good things, but you understand that the only way you can show forth God's praise is to praise God with these, <laughs> with your lips, purposefully doing it in front of, well, I just don't seem, you know. Now, it's amazing how much humans base reality on feelings, and feelings are such liars. Do it. Is God praiseworthy? Yes, then praise him. Well, I just don't feel like it. It doesn't matter whether you feel like it. He is always worthy of our praise. He is good. He is good. He is, he is holy. He is careful. He's a comforter. He's a savior. I mean, just start. Now you want feelings to show up. Start, start doing it with your mouth, and you'll start coming up with some things where suddenly the feelings get, get in there. You know, it's, uh, it's funny how even, like, I, I, you know, my, my son and I, we, we hate the, that state that's south of Michigan when it comes to college football. And, uh, but at the same time, we're sitting there going, that quarterback's pretty good. You know, can you believe that? Holy cow, I cannot believe that wide receiver made that catch. That was a good catch. We do not like them. But we acknowledge talent when it's there. It's funny, we don't even have trouble doing that when we look at each other. We can look at someone and, and really just have the instant, like, this person is sandpaper on my you know, closely guarded life. Every time I meet them, it's like... <laughs> and yet you can look at them and go, yeah, but they are pretty good at this or that. L- listen... This, we're not talking about a person like that. We're talking about God Almighty. We're talking about He who existed before time began, who before time began saw us in time and with, <laughs> with His Son chose to, when He doesn't need us, there's nothing about us He needs, nothing about us that, that is something that He has to have to complete His puzzle. We need everything from Him to have even know that there's pieces to the puzzle. 
and know that we can find him. So, and this is a God who, I mean, became flesh, became a, a vulnerable baby. If, if we cannot find a way to purposefully say, praise God. So if you find yourself having a bad attitude, complaining and whining, getting mad, you, you, you need to start purposefully just saying, thank God I'm still breathing. And just keep going until the emotions start to follow. And even if the emotions don't follow, praise God. We are here as a church body. So when we have an opportunity, like we come together, we sing. We sing about the blood. I'm telling you, one of, a, one of my requirements when Brother Nathan was picking out a new hymn book was that we, I want a lot of songs in here about the blood. And, uh, and as much as I love that other songbook, I grew up with it, it had very few songs about the blood. This one's got a lot. I want to sing about the blood. You know what? When a, when a service, I'll just tell Brother, Brother Luke and Brother Jerry, but if a, if a service just turns like something not right, I'm probably going to say, we need to do a blood song. Let's sing, and I haven't had to do it, thank the Lord, not too much, but, and maybe that's my own insensitivity, but, you know, thank the Lord for the blood of Christ. Where did I get on the blood of Christ? I don't know, but anyways. We are here to display God's, oh, I know, yeah. So when you get and sing these songs, Sing them. Mean them. You don't have to feel them. Mean them. Feelings may associate that, but make it mean something. Amen. Make it mean something. Uh, this, it's a very good thing. We, we are very much, too much controlled by our emotions, in this, especially in this day and age, connecting love to emotion and, and uh, I mean, making it love is only an emotion and, you know, praise is only, only from emotion and thankfulness is an emotion. No, those are things you do. Do them. Do them. Amen. True, true love continues loving actions even when the feeling of love is gone. That's what true love is. Amen. All right, anyways. To display God's grace. To display God's grace. And the last three are, or well, not the last three. We have one more beyond this. But this three are all linked together. And they're all in Matthew 28 plus a few others that we'll look at. But essentially, it is in the Great Commission. There are three separate purposes in the Great Commission under this one, if you will. And of course, we could call it grow the kingdom. Um, or, but essentially, God has to do all these things, essentially. So we get to Matthew chapter 28. Whoops, why did I keep doing that? And we go down to verses 19 and 20. Well, let's just start at 18, just make sure we got it right. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. I love that word teach there. It means to enroll them as followers. <laughs> to enroll them as followers. Well, how are you going to do that? You have to keep telling them that he's worth following. You hear, you hear that? In other words, you have to believe he's worth following and then convince others that he's worth following. So... Go ye therefore and teach all nations. What is that? That's evangelizing the world. It's evangelizing. Again, we cannot force people to believe. God, God does not um, cross over the bounds of free, of, free speech is what I was going to say. <laughs> okay. Of free choice. God does not violate man's right of choice. Uh, and yet he calls us to choose. Matter of fact, John 3.16 is pretty clear on that. That, you know, God prepared a plan 
And it's up to man to make the choice to how to respond to that plan. God, God has a purpose, but man has to make a choice. Whosoever believeth, and those that don't believe, you have a choice. So what we are to do is evangelize the world. We can go to Mark 16, 15. It was to preach the gospel to every creature. Just preach, preach the gospel. There's, there's, what's the old, I think I heard Brother Boonster say it while I was here, is there, there is, you cannot take the gospel to the wrong address. You, you can't. Now, there, it might not be receptive at the moment, but you never know what kind of seed you're planting. I, someday, if I can get Brother Bill Marshall up here to, to preach for us, uh, I think you all would like him. He's a, very much a Western preacher, but he's pastors now in, uh, around the Kansas City, Missouri area. And uh, someone gave him a track while he was a, a rodeo a rider. I, want to, I don't remember if it was a bull rider or a bronc rider, but he was in the rodeo scene. Someone gave him a track, and he went home, put it on his dresser, and it sat on his dresser for five years. Well, you've got to understand how guys are, okay? That's not all guys, but some guys. Five years later, something sparks in his heart, and he goes back and picks up that track and reads it and becomes a believer. He may not even remember who gave him that track. The person who gave him the track may not remember giving it to him. But they did their job. They planted a seed that bore fruit five years after it was planted and probably was not the greatest reception because he was, a, he was addicted to drugs and alcohol. <laughs> it was probably not the greatest reception. Listen, evangelize. Preach the gospel. Give out the gospel. All the time, everywhere. Get, get the chance. Look for a chance. You know what's funny is I've only had a few times when people... Honestly, as much as nervous as we get about giving out the gospel, I've only really had a few times where people just flat out got mad at me for trying to say something. Literally. I mean, I could probably count on two hands. I knocked thousands and thousands and thousands of doors. I've had the door slammed in my face, yeah, because you're a preacher. I've loved, some of the signs are great, you know. We don't, you know, we've already purchased your product. We're not interested in sales. We don't, we already have Jesus you know, and I, some of those things are fun. I like it. But you know what? An actual just somebody trying to rip my face off, I, I can remember most of those things happening, and there just wasn't that many in comparison to the people who stopped and at least listened or were at least somewhat nice about it. And then there's the people that while you're giving them the gospel, suddenly you realize, whoa, I think the Lord might be doing a work here. I may not see the end of it, but you can see the face change and see God start working on that heart. Anyways, amen. John chapter 20. John in chapter 20. In verse 21 says, Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. Now, this is interesting to me, and I'd like to study this verse some more, but peace be unto you, colon. So it means that peace is connected to the next part, which is kind of really interesting. I, I want to look at this a little bit. Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. So peace is somehow connected. You know, what, what does the world look for? For heaven's sakes, why do they turn to Eastern religions, you know? Inner peace. Inner peace. i got to find it. And here's God saying, peace be unto you. 
Lord sent me, I'm sending you. And peace is connected to your being sent. Wow, think about that. I just wish I had more peace in my life. When's the last time you gave out the gospel? I wonder if the Lord knows what he's talking about. Evangelize the world. And of course, many of you already know uh, Acts 1.8. It's been a while since I've ran that through my memory system here. But, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Be a witness. We could even go down to the, uh, the end of the book. Revelation uh, chapter 22 where it says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. We're the bride. Come. We, people need to come. We are here. One of our purposes is to evangelize the world. We are to evangelize. And of course, according to Matthew our text in Matthew, for those who become believers, what are we to do? They become a believer and then we baptize them. We baptize. So that's one of our purposes. They believe, we present the gospel, they believe, and we baptize. And that's in verse 19. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So, when they become a believer, we get them up there. And sometimes we're careful about that. But we do the purpose to, for someone to get saved. There does need to be a purpose from the church, a concerted effort on our part to now say, okay, you're a believer, this is what you need to do. We can't force them to do it, but there needs to be, that is the purpose. That's one of our purposes is to baptize those that become believers. So what are we to do? We don't just sit there with our thumbs you know, twiddling our thumbs. No, there needs to be a, a conscious. Uh, if you know someone in the church who's been saved and not baptized, there's nothing wrong with saying, when are you getting baptized? You're a believer, right? Well, you, you need to be baptized. That's the first thing you need to do. That, those are good things. So we need to baptize believers. Amen. And you know, think about this. We're, we've got a, a good baptistry up there. It warms up really well. We need to do a little bit of repair because... The coating's starting to crack a little bit. It's a great baptistry. It's going to function for us for a long time, but I'd like to see that thing get wet an awful lot this coming year. Amen. And if it leaks so much, the more. That's great. Let's, let's, if we've got to tear it out and put in another one, fine. But let's, this is one of our purposes. It's not, just, it's not just a showpiece. This needs to be used. Amen. To evangelize the world, to baptize believers. And, of course, once, we, once we've presented the gospel, they've chosen to believe, we've baptized them, and then we have a, another purpose, don't we? What are we supposed to do? Teach. Teach them. Yeah. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And again, that's plural. I don't know why so many people think that's the preacher's job. Well, the preacher should certainly organize it and put in, put in good programs or ways of making that happen, but that command is given to the church, you, plural. Plural. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. We take time to teach each other. I, I mean, I, I remember how astounded I was talking to a, a guy that had to be 25, 26 years old. And he was actually, um, I don't know how to say it, but he, like no one had ever taught him to iron. I think I've probably about that story before. And he was a little bit like almost hurt that there had been no man in his life to show him how to iron a shirt. And I'm like, 
dude, I will show you how to iron. Come on, let's talk. I'll show you how to iron. And how how easy it was for me to step up and fulfill a, a simple thing, like how to iron a shirt. You think maybe knowing the gospel might be just a tad more important? Or knowing how to give the gospel? Or knowing how to... Uh, follow the Lord. You know, it, this, is, this is my theory. I think the, the, the Christians of America today have gotten so much into what I don't have to do that they have stopped realizing that God does have teaching for things, things that we are supposed to do. And we're so busy with our rights and no wonder the world like it is because, I mean, that's all they're doing. Well, you can't make me do anything. Listen, we're believers. We're supposed to grow. There's things in our life that are supposed to become part of being a believer. And if we reject that, how are you growing? What is growth? How, how is growth definable beyond that? You hear what I'm saying? Is everybody here? Amen. To, add, to instruct believers. So we are to instruct. We could look at all of First and Second Timothy and Titus are to pastors on how to, lead their, how to instruct their church and how to lead their church to instruct. So 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus are Paul's letters to preachers. Those, those are books for preachers, pastors. They're books for pastors. And, and the purpose is, listen, te- like, <coughs> is it Timothy, I believe? Am I, I think it's in Timothy where he, he says to Timothy, teach the aged women, the, the older women, that they teach the younger women. You need to teach them that they need to teach them. I mean, you know, the whole thing is about teaching, instruction, okay? One of the ways to be pastors. All right. And then lastly, outside of the, the, the Great Commission, is the church's purpose, and this should be obvious, is to edify believers. To edify. You know what edify means, right? It's not to make you feel good. That's not what edify means. Edify means to build you up, to strengthen you. So turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. So while you're turning, I just want to ask you, where, where are you investing? I know some of you are teachers in Sunday school classes and, or junior church or those things. That's good. That's great. What, where are you teaching outside of that? How are you helping to instruct other believers? And you, know, you know what we tend to do is we tend to sit back and do this. Just can't believe that they act like that. Oh, my goodness. You know? Well, how about we teach? Well, that's so hard. Yeah, it is. That's why, you, that's why in obedience to God you do it, hope, trusting that God is working through you in it. And, of course, the Bible even teaches us ways of how that should happen. Uh, 1 Corinthians, anybody? 13? I mean, Galatians? There's lots of passages we go to, but we do need to instruct. But the purpose of a church, lastly, to edify believers, Ephesians in chapter 4, verse 11 and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come together, or till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge and of the, of the Son of God unto a perfect man, a mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, Tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. 
but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the, in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. You see that? The body is supposed to edify the body. The body is supposed to help build and strengthen the body. And I love what it, I love what it says there. You know, if every time the subject, some subject comes up in church, and you are, um, so for amongst preachers, and maybe some of you know that this has been a, an issue in Baptist uh, circles for a while, is the issue of the King James. And I don't know how many times I've been, I want to say it's the fourth or fifth time I've been through this, uh, that this argument has swept through where good men, young men, uh, have been drawn away from the King James by other people, and they expect me to, to walk along with them. I'm going, no, this is, I've been through this four or five times. I, I'm not even bothering to look stuff up anymore. Well, why not? I'm not moved by it. Every time I go and look stuff up, my stance is strengthened. Every time. Like, okay, there's a question, I'll go look it up. Oh, what do you know? The King James is right again. Oh, what do you know? The King James is right again. Right, 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 right. You know, after, after 30-some years of ministry and five times dealing with this, other people going to have a question? I don't. You shouldn't either. Not just because your preacher says so. I mean, you know, if that's what you have, that, should, that is okay until you get your own stance. But, you know, we get these things, these, these whiffs come through about, well, that's not wrong, like this has not been said before. And every time it comes up, you're like, well, maybe I'm right, or maybe I'm wrong. I'm not sure. If every time this comes up, you're flip-flopping like a palm tree in the wind, you need to strengthen yourself. You need to build some stuff up so when the, when the storm comes, you're, you're going to look at it and go, yep, been here before. And the all of Christian life is every time the storm hits, find some other new hatch that's flopping loose. Going to have to batten that one down. And some are a little bit more stubborn than others, aren't they? Yeah, amen. But listen, we don't, want to, we don't need to be... We're, we're, the purpose of a church is to edify. And one of the ways we do that is we edify each other. We help each other. And I'm, I'm telling you, so many Christians walk alone through stuff, and God never intended us to walk alone through stuff. God gave us the family of the church. And some people think that they're just strong and stoic for dealing with things alone. Baloney! God gave you the church. God gave you that. That is, that is a group that you're supposed to seek out uh, to edify and be edified from. Amen. This is, this is, I'm telling you, better is a neighbor that is near than a brother far off is a, is a, a very good passage a church should think about. This, a church is supposed to be a, unit, a unified group. Amen. And you know what comes with unity? You get, you get friction and fights. And when you try to edify and help each other, you know, sometimes you get a crooked two by four. And it don't like to go in its spot. You can get it in its spot. Sometimes you get nails that got to be straightened out. I mean, this isn't new. Building has, never, building has never been an easy thing. There's a lot of banged up thumbs and cuts from the saw and splinters in, the, splinters in hands and people fall off ladders. You hear what I'm saying? That doesn't mean we stop building because it hurts. We must edify believers. Turn to 1 Thessalonians. First Thessalonians in chapter 5. 
Just got a couple verses and we're done. 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5, verse 11. Some of you maybe already knew us. This is where we're going. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together. See that? Comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also ye do. And that's not platitudes either. That's not, you know, pat on the back and quote some, you know, Thomas Kincaid portrait meme or something. Well, you know, it'll all get better. Or the one that cracks me up is, you know, something horrible in life. And, and then we say, God has a plan. Like God caused all this wickedness to happen that just ran through my life? No. What it, Romans 8.28, God can take the mess and make it good if we'll trust him. Come, hear me? We, come on now. Y'all need to get on this. We have to edify believers. We need to comfort each other and edify each other. Turn to the book of Jude. Go to Revelation and back up one click. Jude and go to verse 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves, see that plural, on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Building up yourselves on your most holy faith, plural. There needs to be things that we together as a body grow in. Amen. Uh, praise the Lord. Grow in. And we should. Lastly, Second Peter. So back just again, just a few, just a couple pages. Maybe one page for some of you. Second Peter in chapter 3. And this is to edify, but it, kinda, it goes a little bit beyond that. More goes into just the growing aspect of it. So Second Peter in chapter 3. And again, I don't believe Paul puts these in just as random, but verse 18, and these are in other passages. But grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow. How do I grow? How do I be edified? Study and read about the knowledge, gain more knowledge about Jesus Christ. Well, how do I do that? You do it right here. Study, think, read. Study, think, read. Pray. Ask the Lord for help. A Christian, I, I seriously believe, there, no Christian can ever spend too much time in the Bible. And most of the time we spend far too little. There, you just cannot spend enough time in Scripture. I mean, I, if you have a disagreement with that, I, I don't know why, how. <laughs> Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We as a church are called to do some stuff. We looked at glorify God, we looked at it already, but we are called to display God's grace, to evangelize the world, to baptize those that believe from our evangelizing, to instruct them, and then to edify each other, to keep building each other up, and then of course to grow, just to grow. And lastly, next week, we're going to look at, we won't look at it now, we have about seven other things, and one I like, but one is to provide Christian fellowship, uh, which is vastly, drastically needed. Not just fellowship, but Christian fellowship. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this.